for the honor of Grayskull. That's right, everybody. We're talking about She-Ra Season 4 today. Just like a little quick kind of uh, hot take on, on what we just watched before before the news yeah. gets too uh too overwhelmed with everyone talking about Shira, we want to get our our two cents in there. Um, yeah, we we we've mentioned it on this show before that we're both pretty big fans of this show. We like kids shows yeah. in general, and this is a fun, uh, diverse cast. Uh, you know, reinvention of a classic property. It's it definitely hits a lot of you know buttons for me that I I. I just really enjoy it. And yeah. uh, and and what about you, Hannah? No, I definitely really enjoy it. You know, it, it's n- but I wouldn't call it a perfect show, but it's just so highly enjoyable that you don't even mind the flaws a lot of the time, at least for me. Yeah, I, I feel like there is a lot of creative freedom. Uh, the, the showrunner, Noel Stevenson, is very present online uh, and in like Tumblr and Twitter and you know, all the, the teas. Uh, and, and she likes to be out there and present and talk about, you know, her experience as a woman showrunner, as a woman comic book writer, and as, you know, an, uh, as and a gay lesbian. woman, yeah. as a, yeah, as uh you know, she just got as somebody who likes to make works for the LGBTQ plus community. This season is part of that. <laughs> It is because this season, the big thing about this season is that uh, we we introduce our first non-binary character, and you know there's definitely yeah, not double trouble, double trouble, um, and a lizard person who is gender fluid uh, and is an actor extraordinaire. Yes, yes. and can and is charming and beloved by me. <laughs> You really, you're a big uh, Double Trouble fan. Yeah, I think they're fantastic. They I, I think they're great. unique because they're not either on the Horde side or on the uh, uh, the side of the the princesses. Um, they're just they're doing their own thing. They're literally uh, there to fuck <laughs> shit up and have fun. Yeah, I mean they're just such a delightful character, and and I think that's uh, you know great, especially since. Double Trouble uh, in the original like lore did not even appear in the cartoon. Was like a very obscure character from the comics that's been like resurrected in this very exciting new way. Um, yeah, and I, I just I give so many props to Noel uh, for that. Hell yeah, this character is really interesting for me because I've just seen nothing but good things uh like people saying good things about them uh online and like look at this amazing non-binary rep and all of that like i haven't really well i think it's sort of in some ways it's a we you know we take what we can get as far as non-binary representation the only other character that i can think of that is in a kid's show let alone you know an animated show is uh stevani in steven universe who is literally a combination of a male and a female could probably best be described as as uh, bi gender. Um, sure. And uh, they are sometimes referred to with they them pronouns. Uh, sometimes not. It's it's, it's used so, sort of sparingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a uh, a female voice actress who uh, happens to also do a voice on uh, on Shira. Um, Which voice does she do on Shira? The voice of Stevani is the voice of Katra. It's uh, oh. MJ uh, Michalka. Dang. 
Hell yeah. And one of the best performances in uh, in, in both shows, honestly. Yeah. Fantastic performance. Truly. Yeah, well, and that's the other big thing about this character is that not only is it a non-binary character, but it's also voiced by a non-binary actor, um, which right. I think is definitely a first <laughs> as far yeah, as that I, goes. I've, I've never seen that done before. Yeah, the act uh, the actor's name is Jacob Tobia. And uh, they're very active, you know, on on Twitter, activism and, you know, all kinds of great stuff. And I think it's great that they get to actually voice act uh, a character that matches their gender identity or is close to their gender identity. At least. Right. But it, so yeah, I, I think it's totally fair that everyone is like, listen, let's take what we can get. Um, but I think it's interesting to me that. You know, Double Trouble isn't necessarily just on the Horde side, but it's hard to call them a good guy, you know? Well, here's the thing about Shira, and this is very important, is that the villains are the good guys. <laughs> okay, what? Well, I mean, like, uh, sure, like, the princesses are, like, nice and everything, but they're just a bunch of, like, goody two-shoes. Like, I prefer the villains infinitely more. I think they're way more relatable, interesting, and, like, they're basically the main characters. <laughs> Catra, Scorpia is, you know, my my favorite character in That's the show. Uh, you know, Catra's the most troubled and full of the most conflict. Mm-hmm. Um even Hordak is, you know, they they made him somewhat uh, relatable in uh, in season three, and, right. and that continued into this season. Oh yeah, uh, they're all just better characters. Shadow Weaver, amazing character. <laughs> um, I mean, they're all just so much better than like Adora and I Bo, Adora. who's just like endlessly positive. I know, Bo's kind of boring, but uh, hey, Adora, Adora's got stuff. I like Adora. She's just kind of like this manic sort of workaholic, um, <laughs> you know, she's sort of focused on her job mostly. <laughs> uh, and she experiences struggles. I mean, I, I like her as a character, but I mean, compared to Katra, I, I, it doesn't even compare. So here's my thing about Katra is because it's really hard to come back from the way season three ended and the way Catra acted at the end of season three, which was just like very, very unredeemable, you know, like she, she, and yet we might get a redemption. We're that's the, that was, that's what I was thinking this entire, um, this entire season. Cause you don't think Catra can get any lower. And then of course (laughs) this season manages to, to bring her down even more pegs. Um, and break her spirit. I think everything that she does is like, if not logical, just totally emotionally driven. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's so easy to follow her motivation. Oh yeah, Uh, and that's what I like about kids shows is it's so straightforward. It's it's almost you know like Shakespearean these characters, Um, Catra especially, and her obsession (laughs) with being second best to Adora and like in season one and two, she's, she's almost treated like a pet, you know, in shadow weaver's eyes and like just how over the years that would break someone down to the point where the only satisfaction they can get is by making other people suffer and lose. Right. I mean, I totally believe what she did in, in in season three, but I, I still think there's hope. I still think that. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think everything that, uh, Catra has done is entirely 
motivated. It entirely tracks for her character. Um, and, you know, like, it, it's it's earned. But, again, like, she ends the last season by basically killing Glimmer's mom, sort of. <laughs> Indirectly. Yeah, but, well, like, she tries to basically end the world. Things. Yeah, yeah. Because, just because it's something that Adora doesn't want to happen. Right. And I think that's... You like know, out of spite that, for your spurned lover. That's not a healthy thing, <laughs> but it's certainly something that we can all relate to. It's right. just wanting someone to suffer, even if it has worse consequences for us. Right, um, and and a lot of those worse consequences kind of happen this season, uh, even while the horde is ostensibly winning? Question mark because the the horde definitely does a lot of conquering in this season. Um, but but I just kept wondering how because clearly. If we're still bringing Catra lower and lower and lower, her arc needs to resolve with a redemption somehow. You know, like we've invested. It might, it might not. I, I, I'm really feeling like Noelle could surprise us with this one. Um, but, you know, I feel the same way about Kylo Ren uh, to completely, you know, switch topics. I love redemption <laughs> arcs and like the lower and worse the character is, the more I want them to be redeemed. Uh, I mean, I don't give a shit about Kylo Ren, personally. Um, but well, Katra, that's your prerogative. That is my prerogative. But Catra, man, I, I like, she's so, ugh, I want her to have well, a Well, okay, like, let's talk about sides. Let's talk about good right. and evil. Right. Because I think my the thing that I'm best at is coming up with great real-world uh, allegories for these shows. <laughs> yeah. So this story is about what if there was, like, a soldier in the U.S. military who found out that sometimes we kill civilians in the Middle East. Yeah. You know, we often kill civilians in the Middle East. Yeah. We kill way more civilians than we kill actual enemy combatants. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they just decided to join ISIS. I don't think that's quite the apt I think that's quite, I think that's exactly right. And I'm going to stand by that is that the princesses are ISIS and that's a a pretty good parallel. This is a bad take and I don't like it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're extremely hierarchical. Um, They're, they're religious fundamentalists. They, you know, they, they, they don't believe in, uh, in, in, they don't believe in the horde, you know, they hate their way of life. (laughs) Yeah. But like, they're also not oppressing people and they also don't want to kill the horde uh i think they probably want to kill the horde why wouldn't they because they there's the whole line where you know glimmer is going into the fright zone and scorpio is like listen i know catra is part of the horde but don't hurt her and glimmer's like we're the good guys and yeah well that's because it's a kid like, show in fact in in, in actual right. fact no one kills anyone in this show in fact the yes. bad guys never kill anybody yeah so how are they bad guys really <laughs> if you don't kill anyone how are you even bad um well, well right well they're like conquering territory but what what are they dismantling they're dismantling like uh, you know a like a monarchy uh that is completely defined by these like conventionally beautiful super powered women and you <laughs> well, know all they have is a bunch of you know weirdos who are like half animal here's They're, my question you know, then. where where does uh spoiler alert horde prime and his fucking peace and unity empire fit into this analogy 
Well, they're like the the actual rulers of America, the capitalists. <laughs> right, but but I thought like, I'm not saying that they're that America is the good guys. I mean, they're certainly not in the Middle East conflict. I just don't think that there's really any good guys in the fight between America and ISIS. It's like just a genuinely terrible situation caused mainly by the horde or in this case America. Okay. Um, All right. Well, we're instigators, but like <laughs> come on. I mean, I would much rather follow the exploits of, you know, uh, American soldiers doing dubious things than uh, than ISIS. So, there you oh go. Oh my god, this is such a bad take. We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, th- this season was a lot about um sort of expanding the the world of Shira, I guess, and that literally at the end of it, they have taken the planet back out of the like pocket dimension it's been stored in and are now in the wider universe and are gonna have to deal with what being part of that universe means. But even within the show itself, it's a lot of secrets revealed and you know shades of gray and uh like moving beyond just horde bad us good always in five ever you know like like yeah, there's, there's more nuance. i think both sides I, you know not to both sides it but i mean <laughs> even though like the horde is presented as being like clearly fascist in it's like hierarchy yeah i mean they're fighting monarchists which you know are are also not the best um and so as far as like the expansion of the lore, um, I, I guess that would be the, the yeah. introduction of like the, the larger horde with all of their, their clone army. Well, um, there's that. And we finally learn what the Heart of Etheria project is and, you know, all right. the princesses connect with all of their stones and such. This was the most interesting thing to me this season was the the, the discovering that Light Hope is actually just this Evil. like – you know, neo-fascist figure trying to return to a, a lost generation Glory. of warriors and, and you know, trying to create like a Third Reich type right. uh, new empire using, by blowing up everybody in the universe. Right, and sort of using Adora as like the ubermensch through which that is accomplished. Right. She is, you know, the 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 Moses figure, you know, sent down the river and then returned. Right. Um in the order to one. save her people, except for it's my favorite version of this story, which is the reversal where she decides, no, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not beholden to my ancestry. I'm beholden to my friends, right. you know, the people that I've, the family that I've chosen as opposed yeah. to the family that raised me or even the family that birthed me. Right. Um, which I think is, you know, very powerful. I'm all for sort of found family, chosen family narratives. As we all right. know, um, and this was the big, the big, uh, you know, cliffhanger because now there's no more Shira. Well, no, there's no more sword. Right, Shira is not a sword, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But she's lost all of her magical abilities and or can so no longer transform into a being called right Shira. So we think for right now, right. she's going to transform <laughs> for sure next season. It's going to happen. She's not going to need a sword to do it. Listen, 
I mean, I'm, I've always just found this show to be so fascinating because it's developed from a property that yeah. is a ripoff. Like, it's a spinoff. But, like, <laughs> more than that, it is a direct copy-paste of He-Man, you know? How is it, a, like, the original being show. just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then, and then to take that and sort of flip it on its head and say, you know, like, we can foreshadow... Like, we can say, oh, there's another world called Eternia, but it's just a secret. We don't know about it yet. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there's something called Grey Skull, and we're just going to, you know, push past it, and eventually you'll find out what Grey Skull is or not. Right. I mean, there's just important. always this hinting that maybe one day we'll cross over and we'll find out where Adora really comes from, which is that she is the twin sister of, uh, a <laughs> of a, a prince who turns into a He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that a He-Man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a She-Ra, there's a He-Man. Yes, there's yes, multiples of them for sure. Um, yeah, so there, there's and maybe Skeletor will show up, and I'm psyched for that. If it Yo, happens. that would be so fun. Um, but but I think mostly season five is going to be dedicated to Horde Prime and and all of that and. Uh, can't wait for the the heroes and the villains to unite against the bigger existential threat, which is Horde Prime, because I think that'll be entertaining. Right, I agree. Do you have a, a favorite character, Hannah? Your favorite, you know? I love bae? so many of them. I mean, I'm like a huge slut for the Catra Adora dynamic, but like that's in the mm. toilet right now. You know, it's like one bridge burned too many at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know what I. Before I ask what your favorite character is, I do want to talk about the Adora Glimmer fight of this season that was yeah i think it's a lame conflict and it just pales in comparison to catcher and scorpia so as a result i find myself siding more and more with the horde okay fair enough um yeah i would agree that like i understand what they were going for with adora and glimmer's fight but i just don't think it worked like it it didn't feel it just felt like a bitchy girl fight, you know, which is like strange. No, I, I don't agree with that. Okay. I just think it's sort of a reflection of the of the conflict that Glimmer was already having with her mother, which is not like a super interesting one. And it, it kind of just kept coming back to that over and over. Right. You know, the idea of I'm worried about you because I've already lost somebody. So I don't want you to do things. But, you know, the most pragmatic option is obviously to go and fight the horde because that's how you get the plot moving Mm -hmm. um it just sort of falls flat in a way that like you know scorpia trying really hard to befriend and salvage you know catra's character while she is completely resistant to it is so much more conflict driven and you know adora and catra where adora is trying to pull her to switch sides and and catra is just lashing out in anger mm-hmm. like that's way more conflict driven as opposed to like you know we both want to accomplish the same goal but we just have slightly different ideas of how to accomplish it right and, i mean i do i do love a good narrative where you know like glimmer and and shadow weaver are you know <laughs> teaming <sort> up of, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it's like, you know, Adora then has to feel like second best. You know, she's the second daughter, but I don't know if they lean into that as much. No, I think that there might still be more to that to come in season five. Um, yeah. But I, I will say I did like the moment where I don't know if I liked it. I don't know. I, I like the moment where Glimmer basically accuses Adora of like letting her mom die and I wish that like more of the conflict had kind of been around that because like Adora's reaction mm. to that I I enjoyed watching and sort of the the internal conflict that that produced for her about like yeah wait maybe I am like wrong <laughs> about a lot of things um I and I wish it had just been introduced earlier in the season so that it could have had like a a longer lasting internal uh arc for adora's character this season right i mean i think there's a natural thing where i just want to be able to understand everyone's motivation exactly Mm -hmm. and if there's conflicts i want them to be so tied to character that they cannot be switched around i i think that the, the the conflict of you know i want to you know save entrapta versus i want to you know try and fix all the stones I feel like those two goals could be swapped between Adora and, and Glimmer without it really changing anything. Right. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with you on that. Or like Glimmer could trust, and, and this actually happened where Glimmer could trust uh, Shadow Weaver more than Adora uh, or vice versa. And, and you know, it, it, it doesn't really change the conflict. story. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I would definitely agree with you that the the horde conflict and the the horde characters are just a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just watching Scorpia cut toxic people out of her life, yes. and ditch the fake friends uh, to 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 find the the real the, the real, real squad. Friends. Yeah, it's it's just a much more engaging uh, story to right. me. But it's all interwoven together. I mean, I'm not here to like shit on the show no, no i like it listen you, know? you can like certain parts of it more than others that's that's right. totally valid you know it doesn't make you a, a bad person <laughs> yeah so is scorpia your your favorite character then oh definitely i mean i relate to her clumsiness and her need for hugs <laughs> Just, it's all very important Wholesome. to me her her happiness absolutely absolutely i did like also that we got like a little episode with um some of the horde side characters which was fun oh yeah i love kyle kyle's Kyle's the best kyle's awesome who doesn't love kyle um it's kyle rogelio and i always forget the girl's name i feel so bad lonnie lonnie there we go um yeah, the three of them get their own little episode in in this season where uh, Kyle ends up, like, rallying. You know, they're also having a friendship squabble. And uh, right. it, it turns out that Kyle resolves it by being reckless. And they're all like, dog, Kyle, we love you Kyle too much, Kyle resolves man. it by continuously being shat on just <laughs> through the whole show <laughs> and just always getting the shit beat out of him. He's, I mean, that is absolutely his yeah, role. Yeah, the literal definition of a butt monkey. Um, <laughs> but he's great. He he does it so well, and we love him for it. Can't wait to see what nonsense he gets up to next season. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, as as a member of uh, either either as a member of the Horde uh, Prime Army or as switching sides and joining with uh, the heroes. The Planetary Defense Force. That's my yeah. That's my uh, nickname for the as of yet unnamed alliance between the former Horde and the former. Well, Rebellion. you can call it the Princess Horde. The <laughs> the Horde of Princesses. Um, yeah, the Horde Alliance. Or, the Horde, Alliance, Horde Rebellion. I don't even know. Um, I Okay, one last thing that I want to talk about, or maybe you have more things to talk about, but one last thing I okay. want to talk about is um, at, at the very end, uh, Katra, Glimmer, and Hordak get beamed up into Horde Prime's uh, spaceship and we're confronted yeah. with him and sort of introduced to some of the conflict for the coming season and what we can kind of expect uh, where, you know, to not die Catra and Glimmer sort of sell the lie that um, Horde Prime will be able to use Etheria as the um, weapon as the, as a weapon Uh but you know we'll we'll see what comes of that but i i'm very intrigued by this sort of glimmer catra like symbiosis that we're seeing a little bit uh, in in the like the very final episode um where both of them so? are kind of like i mean they're both there but what well, else but like they have that little moment before like they're all abducted and shit um before hordak shows up where um, you know, Glimmer and Catcher are like, we're both alone. Like, we're both sad and pushed people away. Ah. Um, and then it's they get something. abducted. It's it's not a lot, but my hope is that it will be developed into something interesting. Something Yeah, I, I exciting. hope so too. I I hope, you know, we see more of Huntara. That's a hope. Yeah, uh, more double trouble for sure. Yeah, definitely a um, lack of Huntara out of outside of like the first couple episodes in this season. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, getting G- Gina Davis um, is tough. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I guess. Um, I mean, what else? She was on like one episode of, uh, or or she was a, a a guest character on um, Glow, but other than that, I don't know what she's doing. So. I don't know. Could be really busy. Could be so busy. Who knows? She's the next um, Marvel character. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. Um, um, I I wanted to talk a little bit just about like the meta narratives at play here because okay. I find them fascinating. Um, the the like just the idea that Adora is the in, is inheriting this role from somebody else who was a failure. Uh, I feel like I've seen this this narrative beat like repeating itself across new media do do you feel that way like the chosen one narrative is kind of being incorporated into this taking on a role that was previously owned by somebody who failed yeah i mean like to go back to star wars i feel like that's that's kind of exactly ray's task with vis-a-vis luke skywalker and all that Um, or even going as far back as like Avatar the Last Airbender where you yeah. know Aang is 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 taking over for the failures of his predecessor Roku and Korra is taking over for the failures of Aang mm-hmm. um and I think there's something to that where 
it's something in like this postmodern experience as we're quickly approaching potential extinction. Uh, <laughs> and it's not this generation's fault, but we are not doing anything to like stop it. Right. Um, and we don't know what to do. We're lost and confused. And I think yeah. that that is something resonant. And I think we're going to continue to see more of that story played out, not just being a chosen one, but being a chosen one in a long line of chosen ones who were failures. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if this is necessarily the newest trope though. Like I, I like, I, I, I see what you're saying and I agree that that's definitely, it, it maybe feels more present now uh, than, than it has in the past. Yeah, I'm, that's basically all I'm saying. I'm uh, not saying yeah. that it started 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm saying it's taken on a new, a, a new meaning, a new context. Sure. That sure. feels very important. It, and yes. I feel like children are going to start connecting with this in a major way and to not look so much with reverence on their, you know, the people who came before them, the older heroes, Mm -hmm. because we can see just by looking out the window that, you know, the heroes of the past have not saved us in the present. Right. Right. Um, It's our responsibility to take up their mantle and do, do it differently than they did. Cause if we do it the same, it's just not going to, we're not going to survive. Right. Right. Flutterina is very cute. (laughs) Flutterina is very cute. That is an important thing that we should not forget to mention. She is the, uh, the spy character that um, Double Trouble plays when they're infiltrating uh, the rebellion. And uh, they're great. <laughs> I was expecting to be frustrated by how little Entrapto was in this season, but I was not. Um, really? So I guess they made up for it. I mean, Entrapto just steals the scene every time she's on screen that right which is why they had to kind of take her out of there i think (laughs) and put her on beast island but like then when she comes back it's like totally great oh there was also something i noticed um there was some foreshadowing in season three Mm. where if you remember when micah uh comes back in the fantasy portal reality Mm. do you remember this i vaguely so the the you know they're in this fantasy portal reality. It's not real. It's an illusion. And so like Angela like whispers to Micah like I know you're not real. This isn't right. And then she flies off to sacrifice herself. And then before he disappears into the portal, he goes, "Wait, Angela, I'm not." And then it cuts him off. And uh, it, it's because he wasn't dead, and he just remembered. Uh, <laughs> Props to Noel because I mean that wasn't super obvious, and it was. Great that she didn't give away that spoiler, but now in retrospect, it's it's cool. I mean, it is immediately obvious when we get to Beast Island and there's just like a dude shooting magic spells, but like, that's fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying there's like 10 episodes in between those, so. Oh, yes. No, for sure. Yes. I Good job on the foreshadow. That's really impressive to, you know, to, to foreshadow that and then have it pay off in a satisfying way. Yeah. So also Glimmer's dad is back. We'll have to deal with the repercussions of that. Right. Queen Glimmer gets demoted, <laughs> maybe? Question I don't know. Mark? We'll find out. Bye, Adora. Bye.